0: Well, God bless you. Welcome to the Wonderful Words of Life radio program. We are talking about the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in our last session, we talked about the rapture of the church. And we also talked about how that the coming of the Lord is going to take place in two phases. The first phase is the rapture of the church. And then the second phase is going to be Jesus Christ literally, physically returning to earth. Amen. To take possession of uh, the earth. So uh, the first coming, the rapture of the church, he's coming for his bride and then at the end of the tribulation period he's coming with his bride to take possession of the earth. Amen. Uh, but before we get started, let's go ahead and pray. Father, we bless you in the name of Jesus. we give you praise and honor and glory. We thank you, Father for your help from heaven. Always, Lord, we depend always upon you and the Holy Spirit to give us wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you. Thank you, Father, for your goodness and for your mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, before we begin talking about the last phase, uh, the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, I had mentioned last session we had talked about the rapture of the church, but we want to take just a few moments and we want to talk about how to be prepared for the rapture of the church so that we who claim to be Christians are not left behind. And there is a criteria here from the scriptures that guarantee that uh, if we'll follow these uh, qualifications, we'll call them qualifications. If we'll follow these, then we can be assured that when Jesus comes, that we will be raptured with Him. So the number one condition. In order to be prepared for the rapture of the church to go and not be left behind is that we must repent of sin and we must accept Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord and be born again, period. That's the qualification. Amen. You don't have to be uh, super holiness. You don't have to be perfect. Uh, you'll never be perfect in this life. I will never be perfect in this life. Uh, however, we must be forgiven and we must be trusting in Jesus Christ. Amen for our future. In other words, in other words, uh, for him to make sure that we are granted and enjoy eternal life. So we must repent of sin. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God and the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So that's the only way that you and I can be born again. We have to believe in our heart that God has raised Jesus from the dead. Now, what does that mean? That means that we believe that everything that was necessary for my salvation and the salvation of every man was accomplished on the cross when he cried out, it is finished. See, we have to believe that. We have to believe, amen, that God raised Jesus from the dead. That means that Jesus was put to death in the flesh, but that he was justified in the Spirit, In other words, by God raising Jesus from the dead, he had totally approved. Amen. Uh, and Jesus had won the victory over death, hell and the grave. And God proved that by raising him from the dead. And not only that, but that we have to make confession with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. And that's how we get saved. That's how we are born again. So repentance, repentance from sin. Accepting Jesus Christ, the Savior and Lord, becoming a born again child of God. Amen. Praise God. That's a prerequisite. Amen. That's the only qualification you or I will need in order to go in the rapture. And then, of course, in this life, uh, we have to choose uh, to live in truth and holiness. Amen. Praise God. Now, if we are not living like we should and we have to admit this, that none of us, Amen. Lives perfectly. But now we do strive for the mastery. That's exactly what Paul said. We are to strive for the mastery. Amen. And our life is to be lived in such a way that uh, we live in complete surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ. And in this means these by these three means, then we live uh, day by day, watching and waiting for the imminent return of our Lord Jesus Christ, because he could come at any moment. Now, we have to ask ourselves the question, will people who call themselves Christians miss the rapture? Absolutely. There will be those who think they're Christians. They've never been born again. They have never asked Christ to come into their heart and life. They've never had a changed life. Uh, they've accepted church uh, membership, maybe being baptized in water, uh, but they have never really taken on the, the life and the nature of Christ. And this is what Luke says. Be careful or your hearts will be weighted down with dissipation, drunkenness, and the anxieties of life. And that day will close on you unexpectedly like a trap, for it will come upon all those who live on the face of the whole earth. Be always on the watch and pray that you may be able to escape all that is about to happen and that you may be able to stand (coughs) before uh, the Son of Man. And so that's very poignant. This is exactly what Jesus is talking to us, exhorting to us to be careful. Amen. And not to get taken up with the world. Uh, we start if we start uh, taking up with the world, then we're going to wind up missing out on what God has provided for us. Amen. So uh, we are to keep our robes white. Amen. Praise God. So there will be those who claim to be Christian, who will miss the rapture. And that's because they have not followed the Lord in repentance from dead works and of faith towards God. And so to help us along the way, there's some things that God wants us to know. Number one, he wants our devotion. He doesn't want our things. He doesn't want our money. You know, he doesn't want our alms. He wants us. He wants our devotion. Amen. And our devotion is what keeps us alive. It's what keeps us alert. And the second thing God wants is he wants us awake. Listen to what Jude writes now. But you, dear friends, build yourselves up in your most holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. We have eternal life now as a seed. But now that seed is going to bear forth a harvest. Amen. But we're going to have to be devoted to Christ, be born again. Amen. And be following him and looking for his soon return. Verse 22. Be merciful to those who doubt. Snatch others from the fire and save them. To others show mercy mixed with fear. Hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. To him who is able to keep you from falling. And to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy to the only God, our Savior, to glory, majesty, power and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord before all ages now and forevermore. Amen. Praise God. See, that is what we are to be, how we are to live, we are to be wise and faithful servants. Remember the parable that we had talked about uh, in a couple of sessions past, who then is a wise and faithful servant. Amen. That when the Lord comes, you know, he finds him doing. He said, blessed is that servant. So you and I have work to do. Amen. And it's not our work that's going to get us into heaven. It's our work that we do because we love Christ and we swear fealty to him. How we get into heaven is this. We repent of sin. We ask Christ to come into our heart and life and we are born again. Amen. And we don't run away from that. We don't turn our back on that. Amen. We just follow the Lord. Just like Jesus told his disciples, follow me. Praise God. So that's how we prepare ourselves for the rapture of the church. Now we want to look at the second coming of Christ. Now, the rapture of the church happens right before uh, the tribulation period begins. It's the only way that the man of sin is going to be able to be revealed. Well, how do I know that? Well, go to uh, Revelation chapter six and look at the first seal. The first seal, it reveals the Antichrist. That's at the very beginning of the tribulation period. So the the Antichrist is going to be very prominent throughout the seven years of the tribulation period. Amen. Praise God. And so in order for him to come on the scene, and we know this uh, from Second Thessalonians, chapter two, in order for him to come on the scene, the church is going to have to be taken out and the Holy Spirit is going to have to be removed because the Holy Spirit is the restrainer of sin. So the man of sin cannot be revealed in his time until the church is removed and the Holy Spirit is taken out. So now that is the first phase of the coming of the Lord. And we're going to talk about the second phase. And this is the second coming of Christ. This will take place uh, at the very end of the tribulation period. Now, as I stated earlier, the second coming of Christ is going to take place in two phases. And this is quite evident from Scripture. Amen. The rapture is going to be a definite real time event in the future In the near future that will remove the church from the earth and it will cause the man of sin to be able to reveal in his time. So. Like I said, the rapture of the church will take place before the great tribulation begins. But now the second coming of the Lord Jesus is going to take place at the end of the great tribulation period. And he's going to come. And there's reasons and we're going to see this as we get along. There's reasons uh, why he's coming at the end of the tribulation period. So in order to uh, avoid some confusion, uh, we're going to look at some passages of Scripture, some referring to the rapture and others referring to the second coming of the Lord. And we're going to see the difference between the two. Now, in John 14, verses 1 through 3, Jesus here is talking about the rapture. And notice what he says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am there ye may be also. But some may say, well, you know, that could happen in the middle. No, it can't happen in the middle. Because we already know from Revelation chapter 6 and the breaking of the first seal that the man of sin is going to be revealed at the very beginning. So this is going to have to happen before uh, he is revealed. Now, <clears throat> that's the rapture. Now, look at a passage of Scripture in Daniel concerning the second coming. Notice this, uh, Daniel 2, beginning of verse 44. And in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. And the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms and it shall stand forever. For as much as you saw that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands and that it break in pieces, the iron, the brass, the clay, the silver and the gold, the great God hath made known to the king what shall come to pass hereafter. And the dream is certain and the interpretation thereof. Now, that rock, of course, is Christ. And he will come at the end of time and he will He will uh, obliterate uh, the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of the Antichrist. And he's going to take the dragon. He's going to bind him uh, in chains and cast him into a bottomless pit for a thousand years. He's going to take the Antichrist and the false prophet and he's going to throw them alive into the lake of fire. And the entire armies of the Antichrist are going to be annihilated and destroyed. Amen. And then Jesus will come and he will take possession of the earth. Now, let's look at another passages, some, uh, two other passages of Scripture. This is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We quoted this verse of Scripture uh, in last session. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. At the last trump for the trumpet shall sound and the dead in Christ shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. Notice this does not take place at the end of the tribulation, but at the very beginning of the tribulation. And then, of course, this is the rapture. Then, of course, the uh, second coming of the Lord of the Lord. Uh, We'll see this in Zechariah chapter 14. Behold, the day of the Lord comes and thy spoil shall be divided in the midst of thee. For I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle and the city shall be taken and the houses rifled and the women ravished and half of the city shall go forth into captivity. Notice that. And the residue of the people shall not be cut off from the city. See, that's talking about the end time. That's talking about when Jesus comes, sets his feet upon the Mount of Olives And seduce the kingdom and the armies of the Antichrist. All right, now let's look at another couple passages of Scripture. Philippians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. Notice what Paul writes to the Philippian church. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which also we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of his glory, by the exertion of the power that he has even to subject all things to himself. Notice when Jesus comes, notice our citizenship is already in heaven. But when Jesus comes, he's going to transform our vile body. And our vile body is going to be changed in conformity with his glorious body. Amen. Praise God. And he's going to do that by his power. Now, the second coming, Matthew 24, verse 29. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, shall the sun be darkened, and the moon shall not give her light, and the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken, and then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn. And they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Now, notice the difference between these two. Jesus is coming in the rapture, in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye. And we're going to be changed just like that in an atomic second. But now in the second coming, when he returns at the end of the tribulation period, all the tribes of the earth are going to see him. And they're all going to mourn. They're going to see him coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Amen. See, this is a real time event. Both of these are real time events. Amen. Now, as far as the rapture is concerned, the only ones that are going to see him are those that are going to be raptured. But in the second coming, everyone is going to see him. All right. Now, let's look at a couple other passages of Scripture. Just two more. First Thessalonians chapter one, verse 10. And to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. Notice the past tense of that word, which has delivered us. See, we're already delivered from the wrath to come. You and I are not going to go through the great tribulation. If we've repented of sin, if we're born again children of God, if we've been filled with the Spirit, if we're striving for the mastery, we're not going to be left behind. Now, I know that there's many brothers and sisters out there who are truly born again and they're weak. They're weak in the flesh. But the only qualification for us to go in the rapture is that we are born again children of God. Amen. Praise God. But notice that Paul says that we are already delivered from the wrath to come. What does that mean? That means that when the trumpet blasts and when Jesus comes for his bride, that we're going to go and be with him. And now, second coming of Christ. Look at this verse of Scripture, Acts chapter one. And when he had spoken these things, verse nine, while they beheld, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. They were angels, which also said, you men of Galilee, why stand you gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. See, that is a bodily ascension and it will be a bodily coming. Praise God or descension. We could say it that way. So. Each of these events are going to take place in real time. The rapture at the beginning and the second coming of the Lord at the end of the great tribulation. These two events, they cannot be spiritualized and they cannot be allegorized like the all millennialists do. Scripture here is to be taken in literal sense. And Scripture speaks if we're going to interpret the Scripture correctly. We're going to have to understand that the meaning of the scripture is that which is most obvious to the reader. Because other than that, then all kinds of confusion have been wrought by men speaking to spiritualize and symbolize the plain meaning of scripture. We just take the scripture at face value, allow the Holy Spirit to help us with the interpretation of it. So both of these events are literal. They're literal in their interpretation And they will take place in their proper time. Now, let's look at the purpose of the second coming of Christ. There is a twofold purpose in Christ's coming uh, at the end of the tribulation period. And the number one purpose is he is going to save uh, the nation of Israel from certain annihilation. And Zechariah tells us that in chapter 14. Notice what he writes. Behold, the day of the Lord comes and thy spoil talking about the nation of Israel shall be divided in the midst of thee for I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle and the city shall be taken and the houses rifled and the women ravished and half of the city shall go forth into captivity and the residue of the people shall not be cut off from the city. Then notice this, then shall the Lord go fight, go forth and fight against those nations As when he fought in the day of battle and his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem on the east and the Mount of Olives shall be shall cleave in the midst thereof toward the east and toward the rest. And there shall be a very great valley and half of the mountain shall remove towards the north and half of it toward the south. So this is literally going to take place. We can't allegorize this passage of Scripture. We can't spiritualize it. He physically is going to come and he physically his feet are going to land on the Mount of Olives and the Mount of Olives is going to split in two. Amen. And he's coming. He's going to rescue the nation of Israel. He's going to stop the carnage and the annihilation. Even though two-thirds, and we'll read this in just a moment, even though two-thirds of the nation of Israel will die in this great end-time battle, God will save that third, and he'll bring that third through the fire. Now, Zechariah chapter 12, In that day the Lord will defend the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and the one who is feeble among them in that day will be like David, and the house of David will be like God, like the angel of the Lord before them. And it shall come about in that day that I will set about to destroy all the nations that come against Jerusalem. And I will pour out on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the spirit of grace and of supplication, so that they will look on me whom they have pierced. And they will mourn for him as one who mourns for an only son. And they will weep bitterly over him like the bitter weeping over a firstborn. And in that day, there will be a great morning in Jerusalem, like the morning of Hada Rimon in the, plain of, in the plain of Megiddo. So we're seeing here that when Jesus comes and set his, sets his feet upon Mount Olives and destroys all the armies round about trying to destroy Jerusalem, Israel is going to look up, the third that are left, Israel is going to look up and they're going to see and recognize their Messiah. The one in whom they crucified 2000 years ago and they're going to mourn in repentance and God is going to gather them up. Amen. Praise God. And he's going to love them. He's going to cause them to pass through the fire. Amen. And they're going to be purified. Praise the Lord. Amen. Praise God. And then one other verse of scripture, Jeremiah says this, alas, for that day is great so that none is like it. It is even the time of Jacob's trouble, but he shall be saved out of it. Now, that's a tremendous promise for the nation of Israel. Amen. So uh, the primary purpose that Jesus is coming, uh, second coming is to save uh, Israel from certain annihilation. But now the second uh, reason or purpose why he's coming is that he is going to subdue earthly kingdoms and he's going to bring in everlasting righteousness. Notice what Daniel writes, 70 weeks have been decreed for your people and for your holy city to finish the transgression, to make an end of sin, to make atonement for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, and to seal up vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy place. And then John writes this in Revelation chapter 11, and the seventh angel sounded, and there were great voices in heaven saying, the kingdom is. Of the kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. Praise God. Amen. So that's the two purposes, the twofold purpose of the coming of the Son of Man. Now, we want to look at, as we're getting ready to close, we want to look at the manner of the Lord's coming. And, of course, that is found in a very familiar passage of Scripture in Revelation chapter 19, beginning in verse 11. Go ahead and read it to you. And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, And out of his mouth goes a sharp sword that with it he should smite the nations and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treads the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God. And he has on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And I saw an angel standing in the sun and he cried with a loud voice saying to all the fowls that fly in the midst of heaven, come and gather yourselves together unto the supper Of the great God, that you may eat the flesh of kings and the flesh of captains and the flesh of mighty men and the flesh of horses and of them that sit on them and the flesh of all men, both free and bond, small and great. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. And the beast was taken and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast, and them that worshipped his image. These both were cast alive into the lake of fire, burning with brimstone. And the remnant were slain with the sword of him that sat upon the horse, which sword proceeds out of his mouth, and all the fowls of the air were filled with their flesh. That's what happens and what will happen when Jesus Christ returns to earth. Amen. So the world is going to see the Lord coming with clouds. Every eye is going to see him, even those who have pierced him. And all the tribes of the earth are going to mourn over him. Amen. He's going to come on the clouds of heaven. Amen. And men will be sitting on the right hand of the power to judge the nations. He'll destroy the man of sin and all the armies with the spirit of his mouth and brightness of his coming. That's found in 2 Thessalonians two 2.8. He will come in flaming fire to take vengeance on them that do not know God and do not obey the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they will be punished with everlasting destruction. So as the Lord came to the earth the first time, he will most certainly come to earth uh, the second time. Praise God. So this should be a great comfort to you and to me to know that it has been given unto us to escape the wrath to come. Amen. And we're able to do that just by simple repentance from dead works and a faith towards Christ. And the fact that we just uh, keep our uh, clothes white, keep them white in the blood of the lamb, keep striving for the master. Amen. Don't fall back. Don't backslide. Don't apostatize. Don't go back into the world, but just continue to endure. And of course, Jesus said he that endures to the end, the same will be saved. Amen. Father, we bless you. We thank you today for your goodness and for your mercy. Lord, we hold these truths in our heart, Lord, that they are self-evident, that, Father, you will do exactly what you have promised. And we thank you for that, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if you were to die today, that you would be prepared for heaven? If you're not sure, then I encourage you to pray this prayer with me, Father God, I come to you through your son, Jesus Christ. I repent and ask you to forgive me of my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I surrender my heart and life to you. By faith, I believe I receive you as my Lord and Savior. And I thank you for receiving me in Jesus' name. Amen.